Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Friend of a Friend. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, we are joined by my favorite fashion writer, Jose Criales Unzueta. There is truly no link that I click faster than when a new story of his goes live. With sharp, thoughtful takes backed by a profound knowledge and admiration for the fashion industry, Jose has rightfully become one of fashion's go-to minds and voices. Born and raised in La Paz, Bolivia, Jose moved to the States for college to study fashion design at SCAD, and after graduating and a few internships in freelancing, he landed the dream job, covering global runways, trends, and fashion news for Vogue. In today's episode, Jose gives us a masterclass on networking through the fashion industry and his best advice for aspiring writers on finding your voice. We also share our favorite gifts for the holiday season because if there is anyone I am asking about what the best gifts to give someone is, it's Jose. He knows every single runway, what's hot, what's not, and we answered all of the questions that you guys submitted via Instagram, like, what should I get my mom who always returns gifts? Or what do I get a guy who's kind of grumpy but loves comfort? These questions were amazing. Thank you guys so much for submitting them. We had way too much fun answering them. I hope you guys love today's episode and have as much fun as we did. If you haven't followed the show yet, please follow us and leave a review. It'll be my Christmas present. Thanks for tuning in today and have an incredible week ahead. Here's my conversation with my friend, Jose Criales Unzueta. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How was your Thanksgiving weekend? You're in the city, right? Yeah, I stayed in the city. It was pretty chill. I didn't really do much. You know, like Wednesday was a bit of like a busy day because of the Gucci news. And then Thursday was pretty chill. I just kind of like stayed at home. My room and I cooked. Friday, I don't think I left the house at all. I watched Wednesday Adams, like that show, the new show. It's so cute. It's so cute. I was obsessed with it. I already finished it. I'm like, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I turned it on the other day as I was falling asleep and I was like, wait, and her fashion is so glam. I love it. It's like a modern take on the Adams family and I'm very here for it. Yeah, I was so here for it. I I really enjoyed it. So I was like, okay, this is gorgeous. It's really interesting that you just said that Wednesday was obviously crazy because of all the Gucci stuff. It feels like this has been the most dramatic week in fashion that I've ever experienced. I know. I always find that there's there's always one sort of end of year week. There's always one week at the end of the year that everyone is just like, wait, we have something, we have news. And then everyone shuts up until the end of the next year. And I feel like hopefully this was it for this year. But it was like a very intense week. Like we started with Raf, which took everyone by surprise, to be honest. Well, Tuesday night, the the breaking news of like, you know, the rumor with WWD and then Wednesday night, like that was also the thing, you know, 
we always we thought that like oh i was under the impression that like once wwd had like broke the news on tuesday night we were gonna wake up with an announcement right you know like they're gonna announce it like you know milan early in the morning and then we'll wake up to those news and then that's it and we didn't and then by the time they announced that it, it was like 8 or 9 p.m there i feel like they got caught by surprise i fully agree i think they got caught by surprise and they were like okay we, ha- we kind of have to you know that you're you're in my top three favorite people to follow because i just think you have the best takes on everything and i also really appreciate your how much like historical context you bring into every take that you have it's not just like zooming in on present day every time I there's breaking news or anything like that you're the first person I go to because I know I'm going to get the most background and I thought your take on this entire situation was absolute best I thought the most poignant part of your take at that as I was reading and as the news was unfolding was that this felt really emblematic of our moment in fashion right now of how much newness do we really need is it something that we can, you know, just kind of get by with clothing, like constantly buying? Or are we going to be indispensable with people? Exactly. I thought that was really, you know, that was the main part that couldn't get out of my head. And I think the, usually when news like this in general, you know, whether it's Raph on Monday, like shuttering his label or the Alessandro Gucci news on Wednesday, the, the thing that I think of the most are designers, right? And it's like, what is it like for a designer in the industry to read these news, right? What is it like for a designer trying to get one of those positions, trying to start a label of their own like Graf did so many years ago? And in what position do they find themselves once these things happen, right? And I think the sort of message that I as a designer would have received a few years ago, you know, from the Alessandro news is being like, wow, like, you know, at the end of the day, like we're all just sort of in this endless loop of novelty where the moment you're not giving that anymore, the moment you're not producing novelty anymore as much as you were or like at the cadence you've like established, you're sort of like, okay, done, right? And right. then in comes the next and in comes the next. And it's so interesting because, you know, I think it's it's hard to not, for me to not fixate on that specific angle, right? It's not just novelty in product, it's also like novelty in people. It's like, okay, who's the next the next big thing in a sense right and it's just it's really it's it's really heavy on me like i i can't stop thinking about you know the sort of message about the industry that it sends to to people especially designers i think about that how as a designer can you work so hard in fashion and really leave a mark without still being at the mercy of a ceo yeah and i think at the end of the day you know there's in the dries documentary there's like that is from a few years ago. Pamela Goblin, who is this curator, has this very like poignant sort of note that she that she does, and she talks about you know they ask her if fashion is art. I think she was the the fashion the, the costume and fashion curator of the Musée des Arts Décoratifs in Paris at the time, and you know they ask her like is fashion art, and she says you know fashion is an industry. Like I think that's sort of the way she approaches it, right? Like she doesn't say a yes or no question. Like she just tells you like. At the end of the day, fashion is an industry. And yes, it is full of artistic inclination and it's for, full of like the most sublime like craftsmanship and the most beautiful sort of techniques, right? That are artistic in themselves. And it can be an artistic pursuit, but at the end of the day, fashion is a business. Fashion is an industry. And in order to be here the next day, you still have to sort of keep up. 
keep up exactly right and i think at the end of the day i always think about what she says in that specific moment that she also talks about it in relationship to Dries and his longevity etc but it's hard because in in so many ways so many of us that love fashion in 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 this almost obsessive capacity want to see it as this ultimate like pursuit of art and culture and you know like a tool to understand so many things but at the end of the day it's still a business you know like it, it is a business it is an industry and it, there's so many people and so many things that depend on it in terms of money right and and whether you you kind of have to comply to that and it's just it's really challenging because whether it is you know as a designer working for someone else or whether it's as a designer working for yourself at your own brand not you can't ignore it we'll be right back after a quick break we all deal with hair damage at some point in our lives. I've talked about my hair journey so many times. My hair has fallen out. It's gotten really frizzy at the ends. I've had to repair it. I've worn extensions. I've done pretty much everything under the sun to get it to the point that it's at today. I don't really color my hair. I just gloss it. And I really try to keep up the maintenance on my haircuts. But still, sometimes my hair just doesn't feel healthy. There's one product that gave my hair the most improvement in the least amount of time. And that's K18. K18's leave-in molecular repair hair mask has been a lifesaver for me. It reverses damage in just four minutes. Unlike most products that cover up damage, this clinically proven breakthrough repairs damage from bleach and color, chemical services, and heat on all hair types. The secret is in their patented K18 peptide, born after 10 years of complex bioscience research to restore strength and elasticity for the innermost layers of your hair. Most products I find that I use leave a weird film on my hair and make me feel like I'm just putting a Band-Aid on the issue. Well, I'm going to tell you about a hair care solve that I found about a year ago that has made the world of a difference after just one try. K18 has allowed me to start fresh with my hair. It's stronger, softer, smoother, and bouncier than ever, and it lasts. This is one of those things that has gone absolutely viral. And the best part is K18's easy leave-in fits into any routine, so you can repair daily damage with less stress and frustration and unlock new levels of self-expression. Bring your hair into the future with K18 Molecular Repair, available now at Sephora and Sephora.com. Shop K18's Leave-In Molecular Repair Hair Mask at Sephora and Sephora.com. Now let's get back to the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I don't know if I said that yet. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here too. I know. you're Again, you're someone that I love to follow and love to learn from and just listen to. I could probably listen to you talk for hours. So sorry for everybody <laughs> if this ends up being an incredibly long episode. But you're also <laughs> someone that I thought would be one for my listeners to learn from because you have such an incredible journey in fashion. But two, the holidays are coming up. And if there was anyone that I would ask what to get someone in terms of the perfect gift, since you mm -hmm. are the person that just actually knows every single piece of clothing that's walked down the runway, and I feel like you know every <laughs> single item on the market, I figured you'd be the perfect person for my listeners to ask what to get certain people in their lives. I love. The questions were really funny, like very specific okay, and niche. And I love this. So. I have a lot of questions for you because I just am excited to learn more about you as a friend, but we're going to sprinkle in some of these really fun, what should I get X person questions throughout the interview. I love that. I'm so down. I want to start with one first. Hi, Liv and Jose. What do I get my mother who always returns gifts bought for her? That's so funny because like I actually, this friend I was hanging out with yesterday, we we're talking about like gifting for families and like, it's almost like, yeah, like what do you get the person that one either has everything or two? doesn't want anything I think we all have that one person in our families my favorite thing to give that person is always a gift card it's just always like you know figure it out so I love sort of and I think what's the most the best thing you can do is not like get a gift card to a store or get a gift card to like a specific thing it's almost like find a retailer right 
and find okay. like the broadest, you know, like the, the <laughs> widest spectrum retailer you can imagine. And that's what you get the card from because you're, you're like, you can't go wrong if you pick that up yourself. So I think the easiest thing, especially if, if it's your mom, for example, is to always lean either into the wide umbrella of like something like a gift card or into a very niche, like emotional thing. You know, if you give something that's emotional and feels personal, it's really hard for them to be like, oh, this kind of sucks. I'm going to return it. Right? <laughs> like if you give them a sweater, if you give them like, you know, a blouse or something, that's one thing that they're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to wear this. I'm going to return it. But if you give them like a beautiful sort of like picture frame with a photo of you guys, or if you give them like something that leans into one of your one of the memories you have together, it's really hard. Okay, so if I'm getting you a gift card anywhere, what's the, your department store of choice? Oh my god, that's a really good question. I mean, does Essence do gift cards? Because that's me. I'm sure they do. I'm sure. <laughs> and if they oh, don't, oh they have god. to start. The Essence private sale literally wrecked sale wrecked me. I haven't checked out yet. I'm, I I have things on my. It's like you know, entire bags like America's Next Top Model, like holding. The <laughs> that's me with my Essence card. I'm right now. I'm like, okay, I only have this certain amount of budget. Who stays? And I'm still trying to figure it out. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Essence is a good one, but obviously works for like a very specific kind of fashion person. Your answer was way better than mine. I was like, who says no to a sweater? But I think you're right. People do say no to a sweater. People are like, no, I don't want that. Right. Exactly. You know, who's going to say no to a black cashmere sweater? I was going to say like a black. I'm not. Sweater, like a, black, a black turtleneck, like a very like, beautiful. Some, right. Sweater. It's right. really hard. Yeah. Like a basic like, like that. Yeah. A J. Crew, an Aritzia. I just got one from like guest in residence. I love it. Super cozy. Like I wouldn't say no. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No. It's cute. And you can like pair it with a pair of cashmere socks. No one's saying no. Exactly. Even that, like, you know, people, people shit on socks as a gift. I think socks are a wonderful gift. Completely agree. Like a wooly, thick cashmere sock. Completely Stunning. agree. Okay. So you grew up in Bolivia, which I think is incredible. I've never been to South America. And I remember the first time you and I were chatting, I was like, wow, what was that like? It was fun. I think the the most the most interesting thing about growing up in Bolivia is that fashion there is not like what it is here, right? In terms of product, for example, we don't have a lot of big, like massive brand stores. We don't have luxury stores, for example. Or, you know, like I didn't grow up being able to go to like a Bergdorf's or a Saks or a Nordstrom or an even Marcus and just like look at all these things. And it all it very much pushes people's styles in an interesting way. And I think that's sort of been the most interesting part as it per- pertains to my life now, I think, to look back and be like, wow, you know, like back home, it was much less about a brand than it was more about style. And I think that is a very interesting thing. I became a teenager right before Instagram hit. Like Instagram hadn't like fully become a thing yet. So we were still, you know, we had Facebook, we had, we had all of these other things. But it wasn't like, you know, I feel like Instagram right now and Instagram and TikTok are very focused on like the look, right? Photo dumps, like get ready with me videos. So many of those things are about what you're wearing in a sense. We didn't have that. So we also didn't have the pressure, but at the same time, we didn't have the access to know what everyone else was wearing everywhere else in the world, right? So the trends that we would get weren't contingent on what we were seeing on the internet. The way we were approaching fashion was always very much about style, but it was also, also about what, what was accessible. This very informal approach at style is the way I, I grew up with fashion, right? It's very sort of like found objecty, like, okay, make, you know, create this idea of style based on what you have around you in a sense. And I think that was the most sort of interesting thing about growing up 
in Bolivia as it pertains to style. And I think so much has changed, obviously, now. And it, it started changing even when I was about to graduate high school with Instagram, that we all of a sudden had so much access to the way people were wearing. And it started changing even a little bit before with Tumblr, you know, Tumblr yeah, aesthetics sure. and all of those things that once we started ha having access to them, it was even more interesting to see like, okay, we don't have a hot topic. We don't have like these specific stores where you can almost like shop the look, right? Or like remember lookbook it was like like the lookbook.nu yes yep that was my thing because i loved yeah. i loved fashion in high school and i would do that all from lookbook.nu it was my favorite thing in the world that's yeah. how i found other people's style and it was just because you're right before instagram and facebook and all these things like how did we branch out how did we like see what the potentials were if we didn't have it in front of us exactly so when did you move to new york I moved to New York four years ago. Yes, June 2018. When I graduated college, I moved to New York. That's a yeah. big move. It was interesting. It was funny because like I, I always wanted to live in New York. I, let's see, I, you know, I moved, I went to SCAD for college in Savannah, Georgia. And that was my first sort of like living in the US vibe. I had visited New York in the, like before. And I'm glad I didn't move to New York for college because I don't think I was, I was, I would have been ready. I think I would have gotten too easily lot. distracted. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would have, my thing is like, I think I would have gotten distracted by, you know, the queer culture, nightlife, all of those things that like I didn't have back home. I would have, yeah. it would have definitely like, me up. I think in Savannah, I had like a nice, easy transition with that and into a career. So, but by the time I moved to New York, I was eager and I was eager for so many things. I was eager for, like fashion i was eager to like see people dress a certain way i was eager to go see clothes in stores i was because again like in savannah georgia you're not going to break doors on barneys yeah. right like it's just i love thing. i love scad though i'm a big scad girl same no it and it brought me so much joy so i moved to new york with an internship well, it was an apprenticeship but it's a glorified internship to be honest it was a six-month thing and then it, that turned into a year and then i ended up getting a visa and then i ended up staying and then four years later like i'm still here you know, so it kind of worked out so far. Def definitely worked out. Now you're at Vogue. Mm -hmm. I feel that the fashion industry is so network based and hearing your journey from out of the country, moving to SCAD, moving to New York City. Whenever I hear stories like that, I'm just always so interested to hear how you networked to get your foot in the door. Instagram, honestly, it was like Instagram was sort of like my my playground for all of this. I. You know, I graduated in design. I had a job as a designer. That was what I was doing. And then one day I was just kind of like, you know what? Like, I want to, I, I want to talk about, like, I have so many things to say. Like, let's just see if Instagram can be a thing. And I started doing my Instagram stuff. And it just kind of like little by little, it started becoming a thing. This was like right before the pandemic. And through the pandemic, I feel like so many of us were so online that it really allowed me to make this a thing. And I started very casually you know getting followed by some people in the industry by you know whether it's like other writers or editors etc and then i was doing like almost like semi-long form like i was doing long captions trying to make them little articles i was like doing a lot of breakdowns on stories and then editors started like dming me and just being like hey like do you write is this something you do is this something you're interested in and i'm like yes you know i haven't been published but yes and you know it just became like a lot of trying you know like Yes, establishing those initial connections, but then also sort of like following through with those promises, right? Like, hey, yes, I write and I'm not published, but like, 
you know, here's some samples and like writing up something or like, you know, pitching, I would pitch. So I think before I got my first sort of like ID byline, I had pitched at least like, you know, 10 things to them. Alexandra Mondelec, she, she was a writer at BOF at the time. Now she's an editor at McKinsey, but like she, she was the one freelance writer that I saw that was doing this in a really like amazing way. And I sent her DM and I was like, I'm so sorry, but like, I want to start writing. Can I just ask you a few questions? Right. And she was like, yes. She's like, this is how you invoice. This is how you pitch. This is what you, you know, it was so many things that for her, maybe they were obvious, but like, you know, it was just for me specifically, like those things I didn't know. And she was so helpful, but I think it was that mainly just, you know, being, receptive to a lot of feedback but mainly just being just really trying harder and making sure that those little connections that i had started creating online could become a thing you know and, and when it comes to vogue it was the same thing like i you know i it was it was steph yotka who was a senior editor of Vogue runway at the time who you know sent me an email and was like hey you know let's talk but it was because steph and i had met on instagram and like you know, I always had loved her work and I think she was, she, she, you know, she saw something in mine, but I think more than anything, it's because a lot of these networking things were also very genuine on my end. Like these are just people that I found interesting that I wanted to learn from that I wanted to talk to. It was never sort of like, oh, let me follow this one random editor because I want to get out something out of them. Right. I think that's also the thing. It's so easy to sort of network and have access to people online, but it's also very easy to see through and I'm sure this happens to you too, right? When someone is just, when someone just wants to get something out of you, right? Right. It's different when you see someone just actually is curious in what you have to say or in the things or in the advice you can provide, et cetera. And I think I was very lucky too, because I had a full-time job at the time. So I didn't have, you know, all of these things I wanted to achieve when it comes to writing, they were extra to what I was already doing. So if it didn't work, I still had a full-time job. I still had a paycheck. I still had like, I was still Security. making rent, you know? So exactly. I had the security. So I was able to approach this very organically, very honestly, and just very, just sort of like with a lot of hope, but not a lot of, you know, pressure in a sense. And I think that really helped me. I mean, you really just gave a masterclass in like three minutes, if I'm being honest with you. The best piece of advice I give in terms of reflecting on my experience was like, mm -hmm. Instagram is your business card. Like reaching Absolutely. out to people, connecting with people and like, that connection can't just be, hey, I really want to do this. Like, do you think you can connect me? Like, do it from a place of authentic relationships where you're genuinely trying to get the, to know these people. And like, how can you collaborate mm -hmm. together? Like, it has to be a win-win. I think that's the thing. Like, it has to be a win-win. Like, it has to be sort of like, you know, you have to put something down on the table too. Totally. Right. And it, I think that... It can't just be like, I want, I want, I want. Right. And I think that also, like, it's not vulnerability in a way. I, but I think it's almost like you have to be your best publicist. Like you have to sit there Absolutely. and say like, hey, I'm Olivia. This is what I do. These are my goals and my ambitions. Like I'd love to get to know you and what you're doing too. At the end of the day, I am going to sit here and genuinely say that in my experience, I think people really do want to help each other. And if you're connecting mm -hmm. with people on Instagram and saying, hey, I'm a writer. This is what I want to do. These are my ambitions. Like I do genuinely think that that will, that will come back to you and people will think of you for opportunities when you hear about them. No, I 100% agree. Okay, let's look at another present let's see secret santa fifty dollars 36 year old grumpy but nice male he's a lover of comfort but also loves food and gardening oh i think men are the hardest like cis straight men are the hardest people to gift in my opinion <laughs> maybe because i'm I, so detached from i completely agree and i'm not detached <laughs> 
<laughs> what what were you thinking for this? What was sort of at your first? I thought, okay, like the comfort situation, I would say like, I love a guy in a new balance and like a new balance is comfortable. Mm -hmm. You can cook in them. You can garden in them. And there are a lot of good new balances. I noticed they're always on sale, like in the like $65 range, which is like not that far off. But that's what I would think is like a good like, hey, I want you to look cool. I want you to like wear these while you're gardening. They're super comfortable. They're good for your back. Like mm-hmm. that was or like an Adidas Samba, which like I know some of them are going for like crazy prices right now. But like you can find some of them that if you're the right size for like a normal price. Yeah, um, I think those are good. I, ones. I, think, I think like a sneaker is always like yeah. good one because I think the thing about a lot of men is that they sort of love a go to. It's like, right. OK, this is the shoe I wear every day. This is sort of the this is my go to hoodie. This is my go to polo, whatever. So I love the idea of finding that of like, you know, establishing a little staple. I also love the idea of almost like a comfort gift for home and whether it's like, you know, a really good pair of slippers or like a really, you know, like if you, if you know this guy enough, we're just like, okay, like what, what is this kind of thing that he always sort of like that he would actually wear at home, right? Is it like a very cozy, you know, like hoodie that you're like, okay, this is your new like office hoodie, or this is your new sort of like, you know, like if it's like a very nice fleece and you're just like, okay, this is your, you know, like a Uniqlo sort of vibe. You know, th- this Uniqlo is, for is incredibly underrated. I know. I, I'm a, I, I, lo- I love, I'm a fan. Or even like, you know, even like a robe, like a bathrobe kind of vibe where it's just kind of like, let me, let me introduce you to the world of comfort. And you know, like if you, if you love like a cozy moment, like let me show you what it's like to actually right. get off the shower and put on a robe instead of like a shitty towel, you know? Yeah, you brought up hoodies, and I'm actually really curious. Like, what is your go-to for loungewear? This is tough. I think, honestly, Uniqlo is a really big one. And Everlane is a good one, too. Ooh. When it comes to, yeah. And, but when it comes to t-shirts, I love the big favorite. But, yeah, I, I think that. They're, they're very cool. I, you'd be into them. It's just, like, I have a few t-shirts from the amount of turtleneck, and they're the soft. Like, the t-shirts specifically, they're so soft. Low men's tees are phenomenal yes. my boyfriend wears them all the time and i i don't like like a thin shirt like i like mm-hmm. a like a thick shirt the way drapes yeah. yeah or if you want to go in the full complete opposite sort of space i love a really sort of if it's a under like a 50 dollars or less sort of like stupid kit kind of vibe right if it's someone right. that loves gardening like is there like a personalized like gardening kit if it's someone that loves like cooking, like, do you know what their favorite thing is? Like, for example, I love making empanadas and it's something I discovered during the pandemic. So my roommate at the time, she got me this tiny little book of like 50 empanadas. Right. And it's not a recipe book. It's just like it just shows you variety. Right. And it's like an Amazon, like $10 is like Amazon Prime book kind of vibe. But I think those little things really helped too, where it's like you can either get them like something like a blanket gift where just like, okay, like, you know, this needs a price range and it's sort of like something that you will get wear out of and it's fine. Or you can try to be like, especially if they're grumpy, it's kind of cute when you're like, no, I see you. Like, I know you and I know what you like. So this is me showing you that I pay attention to you. Ask so it's the nice. right person to do this. <laughs> that was so sentimental love and sweet. That. No, I love that. It's so sweet. <laughs> what about what do I get my fashionable friend without breaking the bank? What to get your fashionable friend without breaking the back? This is a really good one. I think I think something that's really interesting about, you know, a lot of fashion friends is that we always tend to think that, like, we want, like, as a gift, we want the, the ultimate latest, like, something, right? But I think it's also about the odd 
choice. And it's also about something that like, you know, it, if, 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 is it like a weird pair of sunglasses? And it doesn't have to be like, you know, Lueve balloon glasses. It can be just something that you found like on like any of these, like even an Amazon pair of sunglasses is funny, right? Like, I think it's more about the odd choice and, or even like my best advice is to just sort of be like, go into depop or like go into like the real real the, a lot of these places where you took like, my answer where can i find like an <laughs> odd <laughs> see or like even also like at the real real gift card or a grilled gift card okay let's talk about this this is really important this is really important as a woman who is trying to alex my boyfriend if you're listening pay attention the real real <laughs> is not off limits for gifts i think people think no. oh it's second hand whatever if I want to go and find something that I feel really, if I like have the itch to like buy something fashionable, like, oh, I see ballet flats are everywhere. Like, do I want to try and find like a Chanel ballet flat? Like, you bet mm-hmm. I'm getting that on the real real. Yeah. That's where I go to find all my things that I want to like stay in the loop on, but not contribute to buying all the new things. And by the way, you're going to get a 10,000 times better deal. <laughs> Exactly. And I think, yeah, what you just said is so important because people think that because it's secondhand, it's like yeah. a no-no. Your fashion friend is most likely scaring, like going through the real real at least once a week. Yep. You okay. know, and like grailed too. And I think those are so perfect in terms of like, you know, I don't want to spend more than like, say like 80, 150, whatever. I'm going to put some money into the real real gift card for you. And like, you do your thing, you know, and if what right. you want is out of that budget, you can add more money to it, right? Like it's right. your thing, but I'm giving you this certain amount of money in this real, like, and you just find whatever you want. And then I would also say, like, try to be specific when you go on there. Like if you can go, on, if you go on there and just like roam the pages, I think it can be overwhelming. If you have a friend who like, you know, loves like rings, like maybe search vintage ring or maybe a vintage pair of earrings exactly. or something like that. Go there with a specific goal because you're going to get away with something way, way better. Yes, going with a goal, I think, is the best way of shopping at these things. Like, what do you yeah. want? And obviously, you can, like, even if it's a designer, like, I just want something from TK Designer. That's a, that's the easiest way of approaching yeah. it. Speaking of designers, is there a designer right now that you think everybody should know about? Honestly, I was just thinking about this the other day. And I think my 2022 sort of, like, pick of designer has to be Glenn Martin's. And I think... The, the interesting thing about Glenn is that I think this year he's become so much more mainstream. You know, I think the year for him started with like that second date of Kenya and Julia Fox, where he like right. filled a room of his soul for her. And that was the, the sort of arrival where everyone's just like, oh, that's who is it? And it's just like, oh, Glenn Martin's whatever. And then came like his Jean Paul Gaultier couture, et cetera, et cetera. But I found that he's still not sort of this household name. But I think the reason why he's a designer everyone has to sort of know about is because he is very he's very much influencing the way a lot of people look at fashion and the way a lot of people dress so i think he's sort of the one name that you kind of have to know out of this entire year and there's of course a bunch of emerging designers that are like okay like you you know this is a name you have to keep on your mind you know chapova loena elena velas like there's a lot of very exciting names but i think when it comes to you know if you're not like a fashion person and you think and you want to know a designer that you should you sort of should know about you should be cognizant about glenn is a glenn is a name i love that answer i was not expecting that <laughs> thank you i mean I, you know i feel like it's it's very so many other designers i feel like you know daniel roseberry jonathan anderson etc are 
have permeated the, the mainstream. Yeah, they're mainstream. Exactly. The main, exactly. You know, so a lot of people are just kind of like more aware of them. But I think that Glenn, because of the fact that his work at White Project is still very niche in terms of what it looks like, me wearing White Project right now, is sort of... Consistency. He's the name. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like, actually, he, but yeah, I think he is a name people should should be cognizant about. Because I think we'll hear so much more about him as as the years go by. And yeah, I think I think he's he's one of those names. I think he's like Demna. He, I think he's like Jonathan. I think he's one of the designers that is like very quietly shaping fashion and then one day we're going to be look back and be like oh wow yeah it was 2022 yeah you know we we should have known then you just wrote an article that i i think maybe it was my favorite piece that you've written it was about the effort of trying to get dressed and this is someone this is coming from someone who is a serial overdresser like i will go to Mm -hmm. dinner with my family and like wear a dress or like i you know Thanksgiving, I, my sisters will always be like, so what are you wearing today? And like, instead of wearing jeans and a sweater, they'll be like, okay, fine, I'll put on a dress. But, yeah. you know, for, for me, and I, you know, we can go back to the beginning of this conversation where we talked about fashion kind of being our, our safe space, like a place where we mm-hmm. express and it makes me feel good. Like this idea yeah. of getting dressed to me is a part of like my, like, it's a part of my like life routine. I don't want to say it's like part of my self care, but it kind of is like, I love that. Yeah. I love putting on a bunch of different things and like sure like my couch Mm -hmm. probably has like a thousand pieces of clothes on afterwards but like that's part of the experience what I really loved was that your story was based off of a conversation that you had had with a friend the night before and I to me that Mm -hmm. as a journalist like that just I think finding these moments in life that we can reflect on and share with the greater ether is probably the greatest gift you can do as a journalist but Mm -hmm. I I also think it was such an interesting take because we are in this world of like, come get ready with me. Like, see me put on my socks and my shirt. And it's all so pared down almost. It's almost yeah. like we've like glorified this idea of like putting on jeans and a tee because we're able to market it in a fun way on social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think the, so, you know, it all started because I was with, with this friend Chloe King, but I love Chloe. Love, by the way. The- if you guys don't know Chloe King, go follow her on Instagram because she is the ultimate Please. dresser. Like she is yes. someone in my mind who I've followed for years and just I love how brave she is with fashion. Exactly. It is so beautiful. Exactly. She just finds joy. And it's what you were saying. She just finds joy and comfort and in, in, in wearing fashion. Right. And, you know, I was talking to Chloe and another friend and we were just having drinks and. She's wearing this beautiful, massive Dries skirt in this downtown bar where Temple Bar and everyone is wearing exactly a version of the same outfit, right? And we, we stand out and it's just, you know, it's fine. Like, no, we're not, we're cognizant of it. We're not in our feelings about it in any way or no one's looking at us weird. We're just there, right? But all this to say that, like, we were having this conversation about, you know, like, it's funny because I, you know, it's nice to sort of try. And we're the conversation, what you just said, it, that's kind of where it started, right? Like just the idea of like, I love wearing my clothes and I love, you know, like I finally found a, a space right now in me, myself, in my life where I feel like I find joy in dressing up all the time, right? And as you say, like if I'm going to the movies with my friends, let me let me pull a look. If I'm going to have drinks at a dive bar, let me, let me, let me pull a look. And I think, you know, when once I got home and I started thinking more about it. And then I, I opened my tech talk, you know, right before bed. And I saw all these get ready with me videos. And that's when it sort of like the idea of the story hit me, right? When I was like, we see, and especially with guys, 
I scroll down TikTok all the time and I see all these very hot guys that are, you know, it, it starts with them shirtless in their briefs and they're like talking about like, get ready with me for whatever thing. And they always put a version of the same outfit, right? It's always like the cuffed jeans or the like Patagonia baggy shorts. And it's like always a vintage quote unquote tee. And it's always like, you know, like this kind of specific hoodie and it's always the rings and it's always like the chain. And like, we, the, as I speak, I know everyone sort of has this one person on TikTok that appears on their For You page. And I started thinking about it because it's it just like these guys, they almost dress like they're not trying, right? They try really hard to look a certain way, you know, to, to, to create that vibe of the chill guy. It takes a lot of effort, I've noticed. And the same thing applies to like everyone else, right? Every other dresser, like whether it's gay man, whether it's queer people, whether it's like straight woman. You know, as I scrolled down more through like my TikTok and more get ready with me videos and I started looking more into it. And I started thinking of this, you know, like for so many years, we had this idea that like not trying was cool, right? Right. Looking it's chill, like the Olsen not trying, style. You know. Exactly, you know. But then the, the more you sort of think about that, you realize that there is, they, they are trying too, right? Mary-Kate and Ashley wearing this massive coat over like in certain amount of layers is them trying to because you have to find the perfect coat you have to find the perfect proportion right you when you're dressing up like that and you're like i want to look comfortable but i want to look chic am i wearing like a flip-flop or am i wearing like an adidas samba or am i wearing like a stan smith like am i wearing like a just like a not like a very nondescript black boot like what of all of my comfortable options transmits the vibe the best right right and that's when i started thinking i was like we're all making all these very specific choices and somehow through social media and over the years we've sort of repackaged what was once true really nonchalant style like jeans and t-shirt vibe like i don't try i woke up like this vibe to now really packaging the non-trying aesthetic behind that has so much trying and so much hard work behind it and I just kind of wanted to, more than anything, just write a little ode to people like Amanda Murray, like Chloe King, like people that love fashion, that love to dress, people like you, people like me that enjoy sort of find a lot of joy in dressing and trying and like dressing for an occasion, right? And whether the occasion is going to the doctors or whether the occasion is going to like Thanksgiving dinner with your family, et cetera. It's the same thing. Like I'm, my mom and I, for example, when Christmas came, my mom and I love to get dressed for Christmas, right? Like and it's, we get dressed to go to the living room, right? Which is so it. funny. And my brother would always be like, it. why are you all doing all of this to just go to the living room? We're like, no, because it's Christmas, right? Right. And like, it's still dinner and we still want to like look nice and we want to feel good. And it's just, I, I think of all these little formative moments in fashion in my head. And it's just, they're all just about that. You know, like I feel the best when I know I've tried to look the best. And I I, I see that a lot of people sort of feel that, that, that way. And I wanted to sort of write about you know, trying is cool. Like trying, there, there is a joy. There's, there's a pride in trying. And I think we kind of have to get away from like, you know, try hard, overdressed. Those things are not bad things. No, I also love to hear that your mom gets dressed. And I see where it comes from now. My mom is a dresser. Love she it. Loves to oh, I love that. No, I, I brought this up just because I, I think, one, it, it's such an important just anecdote about the way our society is dressing today. But two, I think it's also a, a really poignant lesson for a lot of journalists out there that like inspiration can strike anywhere. And some of the best stories that I think anyone can ever write 
comes from real life experiences and moments that you're out at Temple Bar and noticing just kind of Literally. the nuance of life and the nuance of the way that people are dressing. And for me, those are the most impactful stories. I I, I was immediately sucked in. And, and I, I just okay. I wanted to bring that up for anybody who's listening right now that wants to be a journalist, like write what you know, write what you feel, like write your lived experience, because that's how people are going to relate to you the most. I 100% agree. And I think I, I definitely it's just that like it's what you just said, write what you know or you find interesting, especially when it pertains to fashion. I have so many young fashion writers that come in, like they're like, oh, I want to write about fashion. What how do you find inspiration? And I'm like, what do you find interesting? Like, what yeah. do you know? How do you dress? How do you want to dress? How do people around you dress? All of that is what you should be writing about. Right. And then that applies to like a million ways that can be trend reporting, that can be market reporting, that can, you know, you can translate that into like, you know, writing about specific segments of the industry, if you want to write about business, like, but that's where it starts. It starts with the way you sort of navigate the world. What is your best piece of advice for anybody who wants to be a writer and land the dream job? I think my best piece of advice is find, find what you're about, like find the kind of writing you want to do, find a point of view. And it's not like in terms of find your niche. Like, yes, finding your niche is important, but that's so um, all, just a part of this whole thing that I'm trying to say. It's not about, you know, trying like being only having one single sort of perspective and just applying that perspective to everything. It's about almost finding a looking glass, right? Like I, I, I love the internet and I love queerness. Those two are my two looking glasses, right? I love the way the internet and digital culture has altered fashion forever. I think, you know, the arrival of Instagram over the last 10 years, TikTok over the last two or three years have changed fashion forever, right? And I love to study what happens on those platforms and how it translates from URL, like from URL, the digital space to IRL real life, right? That's one of my looking glasses. The other end is like, I love queerness. I love queer community. I love queer culture. I love queer fashion. I love campiness. I love all of these things that pertain to queerness, right? that's my other looking glass so my the way in which i approach fashion writing is always through one of these two lenses right whether they have they apply to whatever brand or whatever story i'm writing about or not that already allows me to sort of have a point of view that already allows me to have a take right the take and the point of view can change over time that's fine but the way in which i'm approaching them is unique to me because it, it's it's informed by the things I find interesting, by the things I enjoy, and as you said, the things I know about. And that's what I personally am about. So for anyone who wants to sort of start writing or who wants to, to grow within fashion writing specifically, that's my main advice. Like find what you're about and, and apply it to the way in which you look at fashion, the way in which you write about fashion. Because something, what really breaks through the noise these days is that it's having that point of view and being able to show to show it to people and Fearlessly. editors and yeah. exactly and i found that i found that editors and and all like other writers and all these people that are looking for new talent are looking for that you know are looking for someone that as you said fearlessly has something to say and and has found the best way of communicating you know and don't be shy about sharing writing don't be shy about you know I find that so many people are like, oh, but no one's going to read it. Like if I start a sub stack, if I, if I do long Instagram captions, I'm like, who cares? You know, like put it out Truly. there and you'll find that like, if you have a thousand followers, maybe 10 will read it. That's perfectly fine. 
those 10 will share it. And then, you know, you'll gain two followers out of that. And little by little, you create a community and little by little, you create, you find impact, right? Like you, you find the space you're, you're, you're making sort of an impact in. And I think that's important, but it all starts with finding what you're about and like having a point of view and having, finding this lens through which you look at things that make them, that make your perspective unique. It only happens once, maybe once of every few episodes that my cheeks hurt so badly from smiling. And this is one of those <laughs> episodes that. because I just adore you and I, you know, I adore your work, but I also just deeply adore you as a person and what you share with the world. And I, your writing is such a gift to me and so many people. I know that like the call for you to have your own Substack on Instagram is so major because people just want to hear your takes <laughs> all the time. So I appreciate you coming on the show today and giving us your takes here and you know, I love you and adore you. So thank you so much for coming on. Me too. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I love you. I love your work. And I love the way in which you like create this pod to sort of be a space for everyone, whether it's, and it's just a mixture of, it's a mixed batch of so many things. And I, that's what I love it for. Thanks. So thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.